Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yes, it's another show. You're listening to Let's Go There, and I'm Shira. And I'm Ryan. There you go. Can you tell the difference between our voices? No, there's two women here. I, hey, two queens. I know there's one queen. Oh, hey. <laughs> Yeah, it's producer Vanessa. I love she came in on that. Well, I uh, just got back from the doctor. I guess it's a doctor. I'm going to be freezing my eggs, and I started the process. Oh, my God. She's pregnant. Yeah, exactly. Let's just go 100 steps forward. <laughs> it's like saying it's Christmas already. Well, weren't you already doing that, though? I try. I, I was going to do it a few years ago. It didn't really work out. I put a pause to the process. Also, I was dating someone. Like, I was going to do embryos. Wasn't the right so person to do that with. you just ready to have babies with everybody. Uh, now. What? Like, because you were doing it with your last partner. Now I, you're doing oh, it no. <laughs> I just keep jumping around. She's just finding it. She's just looking for a baby daddy. I that's, mean. That's the season of The Bachelorette we need. <laughs> baby just daddy. Just get me pregnant. <laughs> for real. Well, I am in my late 30s. And, you know, it is real when they say the clock is ticking. Yeah, for sure. And so I've decided to finally take matters into my own hands. And not wait for life and just, you know, make some decisions. Well, I need you to hurry up because I don't want to be an old uncle. Oh, that's so cute. I'm just saying, I don't want to be an old uncle. I feel like uh, Ryan is going to be such a good, uh, yeah, I guess uncle figure, godfather figure type situation. Oh, for sure. We're going to have a ball. I think you're going to. We're going to have a ball. I think you're going to surprise yourself and surprise me. I'm not going to surprise me. I know I'm a fatherly figure. Hey. I know that. I will take it because I, I want some days off. Because I can give it back. <laughs> I can literally give it back. Well, yes. I, we'll see. The process is starting. It's, it makes me feel kind of like I'm getting older. And it does feel very surreal. The questions they ask you are very intense. Like, and, give me one. Well, I, I mean, when you're creating embryos, you're like, okay. So, like, you're consenting that you're going to basically, you know, you're basically deciding you're going to have a child with this person. Without the child being created yet, it is gonna. Did be Chris crazy. go with you? No, we're gonna do uh, his test. He has to get tested, also. Yeah, you gotta test. We do it, and also we do genetic testings, so you could see if each of us have like a cystic fibrosis or something. And if you do, you. Y'all putting this on a credit card? This sounds expensive. 
It, it is. And the price is, yeah. I mean, it is a privilege oh to God. do this. And actually, lots of companies are starting to do this for their employees, which oh, I think should be done. Awesome. Yeah. Because then those who can, uh, who can uh, have children. Right, right. Um, you know, time needs to be taken off. Like, it's a process. A lot of people will delay it. But if companies enable their employees that to do that, I don't know, it, it creates, I guess, more equality in that way, right? Yeah, and it also creates more people taking off. So maybe that's why <laughs> companies are... Capitalism, capitalism does not work that way. You cannot take off. Well, so yeah, so we'll see what happens, but I, I, it's uh, Kind Body is the company, and they, they're like in a mall. That's how accessible they're making this stuff now. In a mall? Yeah, it was in a mall. Like right across like from the mall. American <laughs> Eagle? Just across from Macy's. <laughs> like, wow. But it's this new company, so go we'll Go check see. your eggs and out is, and go get a nice jacket on sale for hey, $49.99. Exactly. This isn't sponsored yet, but a shout out to them because it was a really cool experience. Much better than previous uh, ones that I've had. So, very Aww. interesting stuff. Our little allies having more allies. There you go. Who knows? Our queer person. You never know. You never know. I feel like that's going to be my... Just don't gender your baby. Yes. And that's going to be a process, too, I think, for even me, of, like, you know, reminding yourself because it's so easy to default. To gendering your baby? To default. Yeah. And, like, yeah. I mean... I'll remind you. Yes, you will. Okay, we've got lots coming up on the show. Does circumcision actually help prevent HIV? That's at 3.35 p.m. Pacific, 6.35 p.m. Eastern. What was going through your mind with that topic? It's It's interesting. It's a story from from not HIVplusmag.com, but I also saw it on The Advocate. I guess it gives us another reason to talk to Dr. Sag. Exactly. I like that. He's like the guy behind AIDS research. Plus, a Grey's Anatomy star opens up about drama on the set with Denzel Washington. <laughs> I thought you were going to say he was the guy that just created AIDS or something like that would have been awkward. That's with the T-Report in a moment. Oh, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's get into some what's trending this hour. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy was asked if he still opposes same-sex marriage. Here's what he had to say. Look, uh, same-sex marriage is the law of the land, and it's uh, what America holds, and that's the law of the land. There's no difference. It's the law of the land. I support the law of the land. I don't see how that's different. I don't see how that's news. Yes. Okay, there you go. He answered. Meanwhile, uh, we have some pretty big news. The House and Senate passed a stopgap government funding measure to prevent a shutdown, approving the measure hours before the midnight deadline. The bill now goes to President Biden's desk for his signature. We'll be talking more about that in around 30 minutes. But Senator uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said that the vote was a glimmer of hope and that some of the biggest problems that have faced us in a while, making sure the government stays open, now we can make sure it will. And finally, uh, USPS is going through an overhaul and also jammed ports may cause holiday shipping delays. Watch out. You may want to get your holiday gifts early between global supply chain issues, labor shortages, costs are going up, deliveries are slowing down, and customers will be paying the price. So once again, some consumers are already buying gifts, especially online. So you might want to think about doing that versus doing stuff last minute this year. And that was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Ellen Pompeo told a story that she should have honestly just kept to herself. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. 
So Ellen um, revealed on her new podcast called Tell Me with Ellen Pompeo that she had a nasty sparring match with Denzel Washington when he directed an episode of Grey's Anatomy way back in 2016. She told her guest, uh, who was her former co-star Patrick McDreamy Dimpson, Mm. um, how it all began when she decided a fellow actor wasn't delivering a performance that was up to her specs. Quote, she said this, He made this choice to speak very softly, and I was pissed that I had to sit there and listen to this apology. Um, She basically... Well, I got to fast forward to the good part. So basically, she called out, you know, Denzel because I guess he wasn't speaking up or she was basically doing his job. And uh, she said, quote, Denzel went ham on my ass. He was like, I'm the director. Don't you tell him what to do. I was like, and this is what she said to Denzel Washington. The Denzel Washington. She said, listen, MFR, this is my show. This is my set. Who are you telling? You barely even know where the bathroom is. Ooh. Now, here's the thing. The only reason why Denzel Washington was directing an episode was because Ellen Pompeo actually asked for Denzel to be on set. Like, she wanted him to have that opportunity, and she wanted to work with him. But, like, yeah, I don't know what she thought telling this story was going to do because the internet was like, what? You talked to the Denzel Washington like this? Like, girl, have you lost your damn mind? And honestly, I feel the same way because it was stupid. She should have never said this. Ellen, I love you, but keep your mouth shut sometimes. That's your tea report. Okay. There you go. Yeah, right? Next up, the impacts of the COVID-19 vaccine mandate on the NBA. Why NBA players don't want to speak out, that's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. When we ignore uh, a pandemic that is killing people, just because some people uh, don't feel like doing some research, I, I, I... I can't go along with that. This COVID thing is killing black people and brown people at a ridiculous rate. So, you know, it's really an an extension of Black Lives Matter. And uh, we have to make this uh, obvious and uh, let people know how important it is. That was basketball legend Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who is obviously talking about getting vaccinated against COVID-19. But others don't want to get vaccinated who are in the league Um, or the association NBA, (laughs) um, or speak publicly about it, like LeBron James. Ben Golliver joins us right now, who's a sports reporter. He got vaccinated, by the way. He is vaccinated. But he doesn't want to speak about it. He doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah, that's right. He doesn't want to make his other players and teammates around him. Exactly. So Ben Golliver joins us right now, a sports reporter at The Washington Post. Thanks for joining us for this. It's my pleasure. You guys have hit on it. There's two types of hesitancies, right? There's the hesitation to get the shot and then the hesitation to be an advocate for it. Yeah. And I think the NBA is dealing with both right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, for me, I, I think I I see where, um, what's his name, Kareem? I do, yeah, Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, I see where he's coming from because it is one of those things where it's like at this point, you're not even trying to do the research if you're saying you're looking for research. But I do wonder, you know, is he thinking about LeBron in the sense if he if he's like deeming LeBron to be the spokesperson LeBron is still playing it, it feels like a lot of it's you kind of have to be strategic as a player and um where he's at as a celebrity as well when you're thinking about this is that something you feel like LeBron is kind of thinking about and and his perspective of being like I don't want to control what my other teammates or the people around me are doing I did what was best for me Absolutely. If you go back to the start of the vaccine rollout, the NBA players um, as a collective with their union kind of decided that, hey, this is going to be a personal choice. It's kind of a health matter. 
And, you know, guys aren't going to talk about other guys' status. It's sort of like a my, my body, my choice type of situation. And that thinking has just held up all the way through. So even though more than 90% of NBA players have actually been vaccinated, there are very few guys who will go out and, and you know, say on the record, yeah, I think these guys who are anti-vaxxers need to get the shot. In fact, the only guy who's really come out, a current player, you know, to call out his colleagues has been Carl Anthony Towns. And, of course, this issue is very personal to him because he lost his mother and six other family members uh, to COVID. You know, the other NBA players have just taken a very hands-off approach, and they're just going to let the anti-vax guys sort out themselves. So what is the NBA doing going into this new season? Because I know they were handling it differently during the height of COVID, even though the, there's there has been still numbers in the height more recently, but, you know, in, in the past with COVID. Well, the NBA Players Union kind of fought back against the mandate for players. So what the NBA did is said, okay, no mandate for players, but we're going to mandate for everybody else around the sport. So the referees, the coaches, media members like myself, team executives, everybody else has to be vaccinated. And then they've also told the players, um, if you play in a market that has a vaccine mandate, so San Francisco and New York currently do, if you don't play or if, if you don't get vaccinated and you're not able to play because of those mandates, you're not going to get paid. So for these players who have held out, this could cost them, you know, 16, 17, 18 million dollars potentially if they miss yeah. half the season in those markets. Right. Yeah. And what they've also done has been really strategic. They've set up the health and safety rules to have two different standards for vaccinated players and unvaccinated players. So if you're vaccinated, you can socialize on road trips. You're able to move around more freely. You don't have to get tested. Uh, you can be in team meetings in close, close proximity with your teammates. But if you're unvaccinated, uh, you can't go out on the road. You have to get tested constantly. You have to actually travel and eat your meals separate from your teammates. And so you're sort of like in this uh, almost second class of citizens in, in, from a health standpoint, right? So they're just trying to pressure these guys, you know, one by one to go ahead and get vaccinated. And so far it has worked. We've seen a number of players over these last couple of weeks get vaccinated. And we've seen some major teams like the L.A. Lakers and the New York Knicks and the L.A. Clippers all be completely fully vaccinated. So the NBA's hope is even without a mandate, they're going to be able to push their vaccination rate up pretty close to 100 percent. All right. Well, thank you for joining us for this. That was Ben Gulliver, sports reporter at The Washington Post. Have a great rest of your day. All right. You guys do. So interesting. Well, how did we end up avoiding a government shutdown? It happens. So now what? That's next. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. As Congress just averted a government shutdown, that does not mean we are in the clear. Caitlin Emma joins us right now who covers the federal budget and spending bills for Politico. Thank you for being here with us. Thanks for having me. So a nine-week patch is going to Biden to sign. Then what? So essentially what this does, uh, this short-term spending bill is called a continuing resolution. And Congress often has to pass these because they are terrible at deadlines. So essentially what this, uh, this bill does is keeps the government open, keeps federal agencies funded until December 3rd when there will be another government funding deadline. And ideally, Democrats and Republicans will sort of like get it together and come up with a government funding deal for real. But in the meantime, they have, you know, nine weeks of just continued government funding at current levels to just sort of like, you know, keep the trains running on time. Yeah, but it also seems like Democrats are kind of imploding on themselves where no one's on the same page. I mean, Nancy Pelosi went on ahead and was like, I'm going to do this at this moment. And, you know, people were worried that they even had the vote. So I, I think there's just a lot going on where it just doesn't seem like Democrats are on the same page. Is that kind of like what we should be taking away from this? Right. So you're actually talking about a, a totally separate issue. There's a lot going on Capitol Hill right now when it comes to federal spending. Um, what was passed today was a spending bill to just keep the government open, just a basic mm. annual appropriations package to keep federal agencies from closing. Separately, uh, the president's agenda is in big trouble on Capitol Hill because Democrats are just sort of all over the place. Um, there's a bipartisan infrastructure bill that you know, started in the Senate, had Republican input. Uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is trying to get the votes 
to pass that in the House tonight, but progressives and moderates are currently fighting, and it doesn't even doesn't even seem clear as if it's going to come up for a vote. You know, separately, Democrats are trying to pass you know a huge social spending package that expands healthcare and climate change priorities and all these other things uh, without Republican votes, and that's in jeopardy because the two bills are kind of tied together. <laughs> and on top of all of this, you have the debt ceiling, uh, where the Treasury Department is basically set to run out of money in the next few weeks, and Congress has to do something uh, about that. So oh God, everything just, is kind of a mess. I mean, just wake me up health. when it's all good, please. I'll right? just be sleeping yeah. forever, because I don't know how it's you just keep up with all this. Yeah. I mean, uh, who's going to take lead and wrangle the troops? It just seems like there needs to be someone to get everyone together together around one vision. Totally. Uh, I think, like, Democrats are getting a lot of criticism for that right now, for just sort of not being, like, cohesive on these things, for not having a cohesive message. You know, for example, with this huge uh, multi-trillion dollar package that Democrats want to pass without Republicans, um, like you have these two centrist senators, uh, Senators Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema, who are just basically like not playing ball with the rest of the party, you know, much to the consternation of a lot of progressives who are like, you know, hey, we need you to get on board with like passing this enormously influential legislation for the country. And, you know, these two have concerns about spending. And basically, it's like holding up the entire process. Is all of this kind of chaos that's just happening on Capitol Hill, is this kind of creating a stain on the, you know, the Biden administration and what they're doing as far as the bigger picture of their term? I think it's definitely, um, you know, sort of uh, not ideal for the Biden administration because, you know, you have this administration that theoretically controls, you know, Democrats control the House, they control the Senate in the White House. But the margins in the House and the Senate are so small that, you know, when you have these defections, it's, you know, really, it really matters. It really matters for the president's agenda in terms of getting that passed. And, you know, President Biden was a longtime senator, and he's not one to just sort of like, blow things up and throw out the rule book and do whatever he wants. He wants to respect the process. So certainly the Biden administration is kind of coming off as like, you know, it's time to get involved. It's time to sort of like lead the way on these things, because as of right now, Congress is a mess on many fronts. And I also feel like Republicans don't really respect the process. So I feel like why don't Democrats kind of sometimes, you know, meet them where they're at and just like get stuff done? Because Republicans will at the end of the day when they have something they want to do, especially we've seen that happen in history. So I don't know, you know, I guess it just depends Democrats want to be ethically right. And when it comes to the they're in politics, that, politics is unethical. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> so they won't, I think, like give in to things they feel are just not what they want, whereas Republicans will play the game. I've never heard of the nice guy always winning. I thought about nice. It's about <laughs> ethical. Anyway, Caitlin, Emma, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. Uh, that was Caitlin Emmick, who covers the federal budget and spending bills for Politico. Next up, how grocery stores are trying to help lonely customers, but will it work? That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Imagine going to a supermarket to... uh, I can't imagine that. Talk to a stranger because you're lonely. I like to order out too much to even imagine going to a grocery store. Okay. Which is a problem that I'm working through. 
you might want to talk to someone. Maybe you could talk to them at the supermarket. So <laughs> the supermarket feels so old to say. Do people still call the it the market? That? The grocery store. Yeah, the grocery store. I just say TJ's, Trader Joe's. Yeah, I mean, there's other places like that, but there's a yeah. Trader Joe's is the worth is the one worth mentioning. Okay, I'm just right. saying. So a Dutch supermarket chain, they're introducing chat registers. So basically for customers who are lonely, instead of rushing, you know, maybe doing what you do, if they want to what talk do to I someone, do? Tell you me about rush it. through. Yeah, I do. I get a lot you of anxiety. You put your headphones on. You're like, don't talk to I me. I get a lot of anxiety at the grocery store. Oh, you store. do? Oh, yeah, for sure. Because there's so many aisles. There's so many things to choose. And then you forget like... What like being like? How am I gonna combine all these things into one dinner? And I don't know. Well, you're not supposed to. It's supposed to be for the week or a longer period. Well, I, you know what I mean. Not I just know. specifically one dinner. That, just into a dinner. Yeah, that's why I like to think about actually what I'm making and then the, each one separately. Oh, versus... I'm sorry, we don't all have it together. You know, it took a bit of time, Ryan, just saying. So I think this is a really interesting thing. As we know, a lot of people are lonely these days, including old people. Is this a story about me? (laughs) This is an intervention. Um, And so the Netherlands are doing this, and they're going to be opening it across, uh, like, an entire chain. And actually, they've done versions of this before, and it's worked really well. They have some really interesting case studies where they like have supported people who are lonely they do this by um they also have a coffee area or like a place if you want to grab a coffee and you want to talk to someone i feel like here in the u.s we're like stay away from me i'm doing my own thing i'm rushed i gotta go don't even ask me how i'm doing yeah what's wrong with that i don't understand what's wrong with that Uh, well we see high high levels of anxiety and depression maybe that's part of it Maybe we slowed down a little and or maybe those conversations that we're having air. are actually causing the anxiety and the the depression. <laughs> Perhaps that's a good uh, exactly. hypothesis theory. You should do some research on that. No, uh, but they also have <laughs> um, they also have a program where uh, this this soup company donated food so that like you could actually have a soup with an older person, and they even had. Um, a situation where a nursing home gave free housing to students in exchange for students had to hang out with a senior, uh, senior or an elderly resident for thirty um, for a certain amount of time a week or something like that. Which I just think is like such an interesting idea of like here I'm going to give you something and in in return you have to be there for someone else, like be of service to someone else. I just think that's a really beautiful thing. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, do I think? It's. I don't know. I don't know if it would work out here in the states. I think the we've as we've seen all the time. Uh, America is one selfish place, and no people don't think about other people because if they did, then more people would be vaccinated because they would just be caring about other people's well being. But that's not the case. So whatever's happening there is not going to be able to be replicated here. You got to start somewhere. You know what? It is starting I feel somewhere like... across the water. <laughs> I feel like if we continue this perspective, which is real, by the way, what you're saying is the harsh reality. But if we continue on that path, then we're not going to get anywhere. So someone's got to make some sort of shift. And in the end, it's about the companies doing something. I mean, if companies donate money and do all this stuff, but I do believe we got to figure out ways to be there for more for each other in person. And this could be a, a good way to do that, you know? So, hey, you know chat registers not just cash registers chat registers 
I don't, I don't like that. Just, just let me put my money in the little slot and call it a day. You don't want it to talk to you? I don't you? need to talk to nobody. <laughs> then we're going to get really lazy and then have like bots Exactly. I'm it. like, this is Wally, where we're just like literally floating around in chairs because everyone just forgot how to use their legs. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, next up, Dolly Parton's response to Little Nas X's Jolene cover. We've got that and more next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Yes, we're back. Hope you're enjoying the great music here on Channel Q, but we're bringing you some more show here. And coming up, we're going to be talking about circumcision and if it actually helps prevent HIV. We have... An AIDS researcher, one of the top ones joining us in 30 minutes for that. We love him, Dr. Michael Sag. Plus, is Lil Nas X back in the dating market? Well, Ryan's got the deets in the T-Report in a moment. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. A Facebook exec testified before Congress today on the alleged toxicity of Instagram. And some great points were made. And then there were some misunderstandings. Here's Senator Blumenthal. Will you commit to ending Finsta? Senator, uh, again, let me explain. We don't actually, we don't actually do do Finsta. What Finsta refers to is young people setting up a, a accounts where they want may want to have uh, more privacy. You refer to it as privacy from their parents. What, what in my interaction with teens, what I found is that they sometimes like to have a an account where they can interact just with their with a smaller group of of friends. Well, Finsta that, is that one said, of your actually. Finsta is one of your products or services. We're not talking here about Google or Apple. It's Facebook, correct? <laughs> so while I appreciate his point, Senator Blumenthal, uh, Finsta point? isn't no meaning. He <laughs> I, he was he was really trying to get get them like to point out something bad. Finsta is a thing that society created. It's a fake Instagram. It's not a product from Facebook. <laughs> this was a more humorous moment from this. It was cringy to it me. Was it so wasn't even, cringy, like, it wasn't but even it was, humorous. It was it's funny like, to me. That guy is the highest paid, oh. I believe, in the, in his position, and he's asking stupid questions like that. I'm trying to figure out was was someone on his team like trolling him? Do they totally. actually secretly hate him well, well, yeah. because he just looks like a stupid person up there? The thing is, yeah, for a high profile thing like this, you don't think that they have their juniors that look at their questions, like they would put together the questions they have someone that's younger to look at it. All those young people who work in politics or who work in his office have Finsta accounts. They're like, we don't want to, yeah, we, we want to blame Facebook for this because we're going crazy to, you know, we want to stalk our exes with our Finsta accounts. I feel like <laughs> the paper actually had the definition of what a Finsta was and his comprehension skills just weren't on it that day. <laughs> Yeah. Meanwhile, she also, this person, uh, the head of policy for Facebook, also mentioned that she does not think that Facebook is addictive. She said that. Testified. Well, tell my mother that. I mean. Or Instagram. Why? I don't know. Oh, maybe she said it was just about Facebook. They're like, let's not move to Instagram, though. That's a whole other story. Now, we've got some very sad news. 23 species of animals and one plant were declared extinct by the U.S. government yesterday and it's surprisingly uncommon for the government to give up uh, give up on the search for a species and just place the extinct label on them unfortunately as the planet warms as a result of human activity it's called climate change almost every species will see their environment change around them many of them will not survive it is estimated that as many as one million species will face extinction over the course of the next decade next few decades some experts warn that we are racing toward 
a sixth mass extinction event with the rate of death only accelerating. I mean, that's kind of dismal. And that was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Well, Little Nas X is on the market again. It's time for the T-Report, oh. those pop culture stories trending right now. You know, earlier this year, he was, um, you know, talking about how he was in love with this person. And honestly, everyone knew who his boyfriend was. He was one of his background dancers. He was also in the That's What I Want video. They were dating, blah, blah, blah. You know, Little Nas X said he was even in love and found the one. Well, in true Aries form... Honey, he was on Andy Cohen's Radio Andy show and said that he is no longer with this person. He said, I was seeing someone, but I kind of decided I don't want to anymore. <laughs> what a, you that know. is a chaotic Aries if I've ever found one. Um, yeah, he said, there are a couple of people for sure, a uh, couple of people out there. You know, if men were lining up, basically he's saying if men were lining up, you know, to shoot their shot. And he was saying there are a couple people. He okay. says, but maybe I'm just floating around right now. I just want to work on music every now and then. And, you know, maybe I'll kiss a guy every blue moon. I'm sure he will. Um, I mean, he is single. This is, I think he has, he's 22, y'all. He's a baby. He doesn't need to be in any, like, serious relationship right now. Um, but I did kind of like him and his boyfriend together. They're super cute. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, that's your tea report. I, maybe I have a chance now. I was going to say... Next were you, time. Were you just saying that because I'm the first gay person that comes to your mind? It should I should be. I yes. Should be. Every time there's a single person who's gay, I'm gonna think of you. I mean, that's normally what's straight. As long do. as you know they're <laughs> cute and successful, right? Yes. Taste. I mean. Yes, mama. I'm not dating a 22 year old. We have nothing in common. Okay. He's 22. So you do have some standards. He's 22. He's a baby. <laughs> you know. I'm just like. I don't know. I feel like you would have. I have uh, nothing in common with, with a 22. Him, maybe. Maybe just like, you know, one night thing. Have you seen his nudes? We'll talk yeah. about it off air. Anyway, um, that's your tea reports. Okay. I got more coming up next hour. Well, next up, why are people so nostalgic for early pandemic life? We dive in next. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files to the coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. I'm Glennon Doyle, author of Untamed and host of the podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. On We Can Do Hard Things, my wife, Abby, my sister, Amanda, and I talk honestly about the hard parts of life. Join us and guests like Michelle Obama, Tracy Ellis Ross, and Brene Brown as we have refreshingly honest conversations. New episodes are out every Tuesday and Thursday. So listen to and follow We Can Do Hard Things, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and everywhere you get your podcasts. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. As the pandemic, oh, I'm barely saying it, the pandemic continues, the variants and all these things, a lot of 
people are talking about nostalgia, early pandemic life. Are you feeling nostalgic? Do you miss the beginnings of all this chaos? Um, emotionally, no. The un the the uncertainty, no. I don't miss the people dying. Oh. I don't miss. Yeah, there's um, a lot of darkness. But I do miss. I don't know. In retrospect, I, I do miss the having the opportunity to kind of be at home, uh-huh. having the opportunity to. I mean, my bank account loved it. My right. gas tank loved it. Economically, I loved it. In all honesty, um, I felt like. We got to talk to a lot more people. Accessibility of people being on the show was a lot better because everyone was at home. Everyone was collectively going through this and we only wanted to talk to other people. And so I do sometimes miss it. I do sometimes be like, oh, we'll never experience anything like that again. And honestly, I don't want to. I don't want us to have to go through something as traumatic as what we just went through. Um, But... Like I said, my bank account loved it. And that's really a, 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 a top five moment for me. Yeah, there's something to be said about the pause that happened. I mean, once again, this is from our experience. There's a lot of people that I, I think will Anything I say from this show is about my experience. Yeah. It's uh, Shira yeah. and Ryan. Let's go there. Let's be clear. Not Shira and everybody else. Thank you. <laughs> but yes, and, and I think the for, for me, it was the first time in my life that I allowed myself to take a beat and I, I knew that everything else and everyone else was also on pause. So I didn't feel that pressure. I almost like let go and let my life just happen, which you should be doing no matter what in a way. Like I wish I had that perspective in my normal everyday life. You know, every day we wake up and I don't know about you, but sometimes I say to myself, like, what am I missing? What else do I need to do? What am I not staying ahead of? And that could create a lot of anxiety. And early days of the pandemic, it was kind of like, okay, there's no plan, and that's okay. But there was still anxiety. When, I'm, a different I, type I mean, of anxiety. No, but there was still anxiety even when it came to it's okay if there's no plan. No, there was a lot of anxiety because I feared that we weren't going to have a job. We work in radio. I mean, it's one of those things where our station, we are a newer station, we're queer-oriented. A lot of companies would have chopped us left and right, if we're if we're being quite honest about it, right? And the fact that we were able to survive and, you know, have to go through a little something, but it wasn't that big, and we were able to, to get everything back that we lost and all that, you know, like, I feel... That we had, you know, there was still that anxiety. I remember we were we were making stuff happen. We were pulling out all oh, the yeah. stops because we were afraid fun. that if we didn't, if we didn't keep the ratings up, that it was going to be a whole thing. Or just have a show. Sometimes yeah. Sometimes we'd hit, hit the time. We're going live. We're like, oh, where's the show? Exactly. Totally. So there was a lot of, I mean, and I'm not even talking about just the production of the anxiety. I'm talking about just worrying if I'm going to be able to pay my bills because anything could possibly happen. Oh. Everyone across the country was losing their jobs. That so that's this a major is the thing. anxiety. I don't want to go back to that. Of course, and I think there's a lot of anxiety probably that was popping up that for me, I was ignoring because I was just in survival mode, right? And then that's where a lot of that comes up when you know things come, things come back. I don't I don't know about you, but a lot of people are feeling this where the the, the feelings from the year you had to deal with it. You know, like you just had to move forward. So as things are slowing down in a way and and we're not in that quote unquote survival mode anymore, 
Mm. that it's coming up to ca- it's catching up with people and that's where people sometimes I think are confused like wait a second I dealt with it last year why am I feeling depressed stressed anxious right now this should be a better time well, that's think, because a lot of it's catching up with you I think but but depending on your cultural context of how you view last year yeah, of course that was already on my mind all of these things were on my mind it wasn't um last year 2020 was if I could cuss was a blank a poop year uh huh. It was a poop year, and but, it yeah. wasn't easy. Um, I had to deal with watching people of my skin color get murdered, mm-hmm. killed, um, and then having to come here on on this platform and talk about it. It was not okay for me, um, and I can't pretend like it was. It wasn't easy at all, and I didn't. Um, oftentimes, I barely wanted to get out of bed. Um, but we had a duty. We have a duty to do what we're doing, and. I think a lot of times people were either grateful for that that time off um, and the, to be able to slow down. But then even then, that time where you're slowing down, you're you're paying attention to everything else happening in the world, which is adding on and piling on to the anxiety. And so I agree with you in the sense that every people are probably still going through and having kind of an aftermath of the feelings it's that like they the were aftershock. Yeah, the aftershock of it all, um, because I think for me. It, that still happens for sure. Yeah. So when you think about nostalgia, it's all it brings up so many different conversations and feelings because uh, it's not simple. It's far from simple. Well, nostalgia is also looked at as oftentimes as a positive thing, right? Yeah. The nostalgia that it makes you remember the happiness of something. Girl, I'm not, I don't I don't know if I was really happy so, at all. I was having panic attacks yeah. every damn day, crying with my camera off. <laughs> like it was real. Like I'm being very honest and transparent about our experience last year. It sucked. <laughs> so don't want to go back to that. No, uh, I don't. Let's not I do don't. a year in review, please. <laughs> we're not going to be playing that back on TikTok. <laughs> well, we, we truly aren't. We truly aren't. But I'm happy that we were able to make it back here, right? And, and I think we all kind of relied on each other as a team and as just a community, as a as a, a collective experience that we were able to you know, go through that and we all have that one thing in common if we don't have anything yeah, else. Yeah, when we look back, we'll know we have, we have gone through the pandemic of 2021, the pandemic of our lives. You mean 2020? 2020. I mean, there's still a pandemic going on. <laughs> 2020. Yeah. Holy mother. Okay. Well, I, I do want to hear from you. You're listening. Do you deal with pandemic nostalgia? What do you think about all of this stuff? How has it hit you at LGT shows where you can find us on social media? We are moving on because uh, a topic, circumcision, supposedly it could actually... circumcision make you nervous? (laughs) No. (laughs) I can't tell. (laughs) Circumcision, can it actually prevent HIV? We have Dr. Michael Sag, an infectious diseases expert and top researcher for AIDS, joining us for that. After this, we got the answers next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Let's talk about circumcision, okay? All right. I mean, really excited there. I just wanted to get into it. Oh, my goodness. Actually, did you see the documentary about circumcision on Netflix? 
it's no, about the whole I, that's not my first choice of things to watch, but and it's interesting. the movement um, against circumcision as well. Well, many studies actually in the past had drawn conclusions that circumcision is effective in reducing STIs, including HIV. But a new study out of Canada, which was the first conducted in a Western nation, drew none of those connections. So what is going on exactly? Well, Dr. Michael Sag is back with us, who's a professor of medicine and director at the UAB Center for AIDS Research. Welcome back. It's good to be back with you. Can you explain why there's been an idea that circumcision prevents STIs and STDs, but this has not been proven? I don't, How did that all begin? When did that become a societal norm in a way? Well, well it's actually, actually been proven unequivocally to prevent to reduce transmission of HIV by over 60%. These studies were done in sub-Saharan Africa over a decade ago. Uh, They were three different, large, randomized, well-conducted studies. Each of them independently showed that circumcision reduced transmission of HIV by over 60%. That That is a known fact. I think it's immutable. Okay. Uh, well, I feel, does that not, I mean, I'm, I'm happy we have the, the data to say that's a fact, but I also feel like that also fuels the stigmas that come with being uncircumcised, unfortunately, which can be very harmful. And depending on where you're saying it and who you're saying it about can look be problematic. Well, yeah, that may be true uh, for sure, but the, the, here's, here's the biology real quickly, yeah. um, that when somebody is infected with HIV, and uh, they, uh, their partner uh, is uncircumcised, uh, then the partner who's uncircumcised that has either vaginal sex or insertive rectal sex um, can pick up the infection uh, significantly more than an uncircumcised person in that same situation. And the reason is that the foreskin, uh, after coitus, after sex happens, uh, will retain some fluid between the, the what's called the prupus or the, the the tip of the penis and the foreskin, and that sort of fr- creates in essence an incubator that can transmit the infection, and that's just a biologic fact. And if somebody has that foreskin removed, then that opportunity isn't there for transmission, and that's at least how it goes for HIV, and it makes sense biologically. Mm-hmm. The other parts that you're referring to are true as well. So there is stigma associated, et cetera, but the biology is the biology. So what about this new study out of Canada? What's the story with that? Because they're saying there's no connections here. And are you worried that that could put us back in terms of, you know, the messaging that you were saying and what's come up in terms of the studies in the past? Well, the details matter. So in Canada, uh, most of the people who are diagnosed with HIV are on treatment and their viral load is undetectable. Therefore, they're not transmitting HIV, circumcision or not. So what the situation was in sub-Saharan Africa back in the day, before antiretroviral therapies were more widely available, then with, with people who are HIV infected with high viral loads, they're the ones who are likely to transmit through sexual activity. If somebody is HIV infected, they're on antiretroviral therapy, their virus is undetectable, there's no transmission, circumcision or not. So I think that the question is is a little bit uh, irrelevant. It, it's a little bit like this. We, we know that before antiretroviral therapy that C-sections had reduced risk of transmission than vaginal birth. 
But all that goes out the window once mom, who's pregnant, is on antiretroviral therapy. Then there's no transmission through vaginal birth and there's no transmission through C-section. So the antiretroviral therapy is the game changer in this. Well, there you go. Uh, this is right now a headline that is out there. I, I think the worry is that no one's going to look at those details and they're just going to look at the headline. Are you worried about that? Ah, you know, uh, details matter, especially in things related to science. And, and when people look at the details of how the study was conducted, who uh, the population was uh, in the, in the immediate vicinity of where the studies were being done, what the prevalence is of HIV, how many people are on antiretroviral therapy in that population, I think it'll make sense. But at the end of the day, we all need to think about the biology. Biology rules. And we, if we understand the biology, then the studies begin to make enormous sense. And I think we can take the um, excitement and the, the splash of a study out when uh, when you look at the details and i can't i can't manage how the uh how the public may overreact but those are the details as we know them and i think it makes sense as you think about it from the way i the position i yeah, put it in definitely well thank you so much for breaking that down and explaining it to us that was dr michael sag professor of medicine um and director at the uab center for aids research we love having you on thank you so much great to be back with you and we'll be back with more, not of that, but more other things after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Katie Couric has a new memoir out, and in it she talks about her colleagues from NBC, The Today Show. She talks about Larry King, how she thought he was a creep. But the big headline coming out of the memoir is the fact that she talks about Matt Lauer, who of course, she worked with for many years on the Today Show. She says how his 2017 fall from grace was excruciatingly painful for her. She said, I am crushed, crushed, she recalls texting him. And this is according to a manuscript read by Daily Mail. She said, I love you and care about you deeply. I'm here. Please let me know if you want to talk. There will be better days ahead. Oh, that literally makes me squirm. The fact that she said that to him is just like, honestly... It feels like a smack to the, the to the victim's face. I get they had a long relationship. I mean, if you know, if you knew Katie Couric, you knew Matt Lauer was her right hand, right? They were each other's. Yeah. And I think we see that in that show, The Morning Show, with like um, Jennifer Aniston and, and Reese Witherspoon. We see that dynamic kind of play out and you kind of understand it. But for me, I just don't think I could ever give grace and space to someone who got a button installed underneath their dressing room desk to lock his door when he was like sexually assaulting or harassing his victims. That's just like the person I knew is not the person who you truly are. So I'm not going to wish that, you know, better days for you because at this point I'm going to separate myself completely. You have your own journey to go through. I don't know who you are. Yeah, totally. And I see that perspective doesn't mean that as someone who was close to him, that you would feel horribly shocked and have feelings around the incident and be impacted by it. Imagine someone very close to you, you finding that out and yeah, being horrified by it. And then also probably going through your own process of grief and emotion and all that, which is part of why she has a book to talk about these things. 
I think going, see, I think those are two separate things. Going through your own process of grieving someone that you thought you knew is val- valid. But texting that person saying, I love you and better days are ahead is kind of dismissing and ignoring all of the dirt that they did. You're you're now creating space for him to feel like, oh, at least I have one person in my corner. And I'm not saying that he is not allowed the grace and space to change and go through his own journey of becoming a better person. Who knows what he's doing? I don't know where he's at. But my thing is, in the moment of that happening, that is that is like impossible to give someone who was out here doing the things that he was doing. I I think um, in reading more about this, it seems like she probably herself was a bit in denial of that someone that she thought she knew did those things, unfortunately. Um, And it seems like, according to this book, that she still had a lot of empathy for him. She was worried he was sleepless, mm. haggard, depressed, maybe worse as a result of losing his job and his wife. And, and <laughs> of course, yeah, and that's when you unfortunate. make decisions, consequences happen. I'm sorry. I mean, that's just me. I, 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 I just can't stand beside someone or with someone that does something like that. Even if I do have the closest relationship with them, I can't do it because that means everything that we know was built on a lie. I would have liked her to include and maybe it is but ny post didn't necessarily include this in their coverage of it or the daily mail i would have liked her to talk about that in the end like her focus and support on the victims versus this even though she had the vulnerability of sharing what she the turmoil she felt around matt lauer but it not and none of this coverage of it she does mention that which is unfortunate why do you I mean, because we were talking about this before, and I know I know there's some things that you may understand. Um, but why why do you, why would a person like that, kind of in the midst of the the heat of everything, deserve empathy and sympathy? Wait, I don't. I have empathy for her. I don't have empathy for him. Empathy for her in what way? Of being conflicted by or like. W- wanting to side and be there for the people that this happened to and realizing right. that someone that you were very close to um, is going through something, whether it be they deserve it or not, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that could be really difficult. That said, doesn't mean it's right. You know what I mean? It just, we are all human and I think that we go through on process and there it is difficult to realize that someone you knew is not who you knew. Yeah, I think that's a human experience, but I also think it speaks to the privilege of feeling like all people deserve second chances, and some people just don't. In this case, I think, yeah, when it comes down to predatory behavior, there is no kind of great area like, I don't there. understand people who, like, stand up for Bill Cosby or R. Kelly. And there have been a like, there lot are people, people that are doing that who are creating a whole thing being like, oh, the system's against them. And, honey, that's not how it works. These are predators. Lock them up. And leave them be. Also, remember, she came up in a system where this could be looked at as like an ex. It could be looked at as maybe an excuse. But she grew up when you grow up in a system where you are told or taught to protect people like that. Unfortunately, or else you, you there there was no sense of that there was a choice. That's valid, but I mean, I, I, that and, takes and, that takes reflecting, and that takes reflecting. Because I think that now I look at younger people in the next generation, I'm like, wow, if I look at them as so courageous, and there's so many women that I look at as having so much courage and fearlessness, because I knew that I was in situations with 
specifically men and men in power that were very inappropriate that I didn't, I normalized. Right. And because that's how, you know, you grew up and I was at a time in my life, in my pro- professional life where it was like, well, this is just the way it is. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. I'm happy that we're getting out of that space and that headspace. And um, yeah, not everyone's deserving of that grace and space. Definitely. Well, and guess what? Her her <laughs> her book is called. Are you ready? What? Her memoir, Going There. Oh, well, look at that. <laughs> exactly. Look at that. All right, we've got some what's trending this hour coming up. Britney Spears' conservatorship has ended. So what does the future of free Britney look like? We dive into that and more next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Coming up, we're talking about the Free Britney movement. Where does it go now that the conservatorship has ended? That is in 15 minutes. Well, that's the thing. I think there's some confusion. I don't think it's done. Well, that's the thing. We want to get into that and find out what actually is happening. Uh, So, yeah, stick around for that. Let's get into some what's trending this hour, though. Uh, George Floyd, John Lewis, and Breonna Taylor are being honored through statues created by artist Chris Carnabucci. The Sea and Justice series was displayed at Union Square Park in New York City the evening before their official debut. Um, Each statue weighs about 1,000 pounds. I mean, there's been pictures all over social media. They're very beautiful. It's a, a beautiful honoring right there in Union Square. And... It's the brainchild of Confront Art, and it's the organization's first installation. They said these faces, although so different in the movement, do relate, and we needed them to all be together, and now are so much more powerful having them together. And they hope this work highlights the need for social change and using art as a way to spark civil discourse. Representative AOC is speaking out about the uh, Texas ban on abortion, and here she made a very powerful point. Abusers will sabotage their partner's birth control in an effort to exert power and control over them. Dr. Moyetti, when we see that, that the tactics of abusers on a personal level, uh, the attempt to control and sabotage a victim's reproductive care and control over themselves, then becomes mass adopted by overwhelmingly, frankly, cisgender male legis- state legislatures. How Do you see a connection between these abuse dynamics in person and how they inform uh, a culture in which they could be affirmed or in which these laws could potentially help or assist abusers in this dynamic? Yeah, so unfortunately, our country is actually founded on reproductive control and coercion of enslaved Africans and of indigenous people. So this is actually a historical tactic in our country and a method of upholding white supremacy. So that has not changed and continues today. There you go. Uh, Legislators and lawmakers continue to fight the Texas abortion ban. And there is a bill being thrown out in Florida right now that could be similar to that one so i'm sure we'll be hearing more about that and that was what's trending this hour what's happening in entertainment news ryan oh my god so justin bieber and Haley bieber's um anniversaries today their yes. marriage anniversary and she you know did her wedding photos as her post all justin bieber did was thank jesus <laughs> that's all he did he didn't even acknowledge well, Haley. jesus i guess brought her to him yeah but he didn't acknowledge her at all <laughs> Basically, Jesus is in all of us. <laughs> Basically, all he wrote on one post, um, it read, uh, Jesus loves me, and that's as good as it gets. 
And then he also shared a lengthier message about how God has forgiven him for his past actions and, and is currently guiding him on the right path, whatever that may be. Now, Haley, on the other end, she posted these beautiful photos of her her dress and, um, and you know, it was in South Carolina. And, you know, she simply captioned it 930. I just feel like that's just two different vibes, right? He could have at least did the last image being like, thank you so much to my beautiful wife for being there. But if he wants to marry Jesus so damn bad, then get rid of Haley, girl, because I would be offended if I was his wife. I really would. I, I, I really feel, would. She seems very sweet, to be honest. And then I just She feel, seems like a fan that just so happens to be like with her crush. He, um, yes, oh, Vanessa. Oh, oh, I just checked her Instagram, and also other people have been posting about their anniversary. So even other people are posting about their anniversary. Thank you for that course. work. I needed that follow Investigation. Yeah, yeah. It's on her story. So I'm just saying it's weird. Don't I mean wouldn't you be upset if it was your anniversary with your partner and you post about it, but and other people are posting about it, but he didn't say anything yeah. acknowledging and you then, at all. Yeah, knowing that the press and everyone's going to pick it up. Not yeah, even know, about the but, press. But, but you know that you're in the public eye and you know that everyone's going to dissect this. So I could see being like, really? Like, why do you have to do that? Now it's like they're talking all about this stuff with Jesus and it's our anniversary. <laughs> like, you could see, you know, dinner that night. Like, really? Did you need to do that? I just feel like he keeps on doing things that really undermines the relationship. Yeah. And this could chip away at the relationship. Which I feel like he does not want to be with her. I feel like he just doesn't, yeah, really respect her in the relationship. He it's gives me Kanye vibes. Oh. oh. Kanye vibes. Narcissistic vibes. Yeah, for sure. That's your team report, though. We got to go. Okay, next up, uh, what happens now that the conservatorship for Britney Spears has ended? Or has it? Does the Free Britney movement continue? We get into it next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. In a turn of events, Jamie Spears was suspended as Britney's conservator yesterday, giving her the freedom she has desperately sought for more than a a decade. But what happens next? Is it officially done? Aaron Solomon joins us right now, chief legal analyst for Esquire Digital. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Shira. Uh, So what does this mean in terms of her conservatorship? Does she still have or need a conservator, but it's just not Jamie Spears? Give us the lowdown. Well, we don't know if she needs a conservator, but she's got one for now. And that's actually extremely strategic on the part of her own lawyer, Matthew Rosengart. The reason she still has a conservator is this. He wants to keep Jamie... While, while Jamie's not going to be conservator, he wants Jamie to have to give all of the records of the conservatorship to this temporary conservator because he thinks that's going to have Jamie on the hook for a lot of bad things that he shouldn't have done, which may end up in a civil court and it may end up in a criminal court. We've already got the next hearing set now for November 12th. And then at that point, it looks like we're kind of going down the path where the conservatorship will end then. So let's talk about, I guess... You know, is this something that's going to happen immediately? Like, how what's how is this going to play out timeline-wise? Yeah, so timeline-wise, Judge Penny on November 12th can absolutely say that Britney's no longer a conservatorship, under conservatorship. And again, not just for Britney's fans all over the world, but, you know, for a lot of legal reasons, this 13-year-old conservatorship should never have happened. Okay, wow. Well... It, it Was it a long time coming? I mean, how long did it actually take for them to get him off? It seems like after the whole Free Britney movement happened, the documentary, that it, the process has sped up quite a bit. 
Well, part of the reason the process is sped up quite a bit affects not only Brittany, but anybody else who's been under a conservatorship. Under California law, if you're a conservatee, you don't have the right to have your own attorney. So Brittany had a court-appointed attorney, Sam Ingham, for a long time. In fact, her court-appointed attorney made over $3 million representing, quote-unquote, Brittany on this case. She asked many times for her to have her own representation. And it wasn't until this July when Judge Penny really did a precedent-setting move by saying, you know what, you can have your own attorney. And that's when Matthew Rosengar came in. He's a very experienced conservatorship attorney who's also worked with a lot of celebrities in the past as well. Yeah, so I I really want to know, and I think a lot of people want to know, can Jamie Spears be held legally liable if allegations of his bad acts as conservator, as revealed in recent documentaries, are proven to be true? Yeah, so I've seen those recent documentaries as well, and I thought both the New York Times and Netflix one were excellent. Uh, The answer is yes, absolutely. So I believe that we are certainly going to see another Spears versus Spears lawsuit in civil court. I think that Brittany is going to come after Jamie in civil court for damages. However, I think that Jamie, while he doesn't come from a financial background, is no dummy, and he's already made himself judgment-proof. So I think that even if Brittany were to win a case against her father for bad acts that he's done in civil court, she's never going to get a cent from him. However, he may have, if we believe the allegations that we've seen in documentaries, done some things which are criminal under California law and really pretty egregious violations of the probate code and the conservatorship clauses. So Mm. he may find himself in criminal court as well. Remember that one thing that Brittany said back in July was she really hopes to see her father in prison someday. That's looking a lot more likely in the beginning of October than it was in the beginning of June. Wow. So where does the free Brittany movement go from here? Well, I think they're doing a really good job, you know, protesting in the streets during these uh, these Los Angeles district court demonstrations. I think that there's something really positive that's come out of both the Free Britney movement and Britney's struggles herself. And that's actually a California legislative bill called AB 1194. And let me tell you why it's so important. It's sitting on Governor Newsom's desk right now. He's got till next week to sign it. If he signs it, it comes into law in January. It really does make conservatorship so much more humane and so much better in California. It would make sure that people like Jamie Spears, who don't come from a financial background, have to get training in things like financial fraud of conservatorships. It would also make it absolutely mandatory for conservatorships to be regularly reviewed. Britney's wasn't. The other thing, the most important thing, I think, in 1194 is what I like to call the Britney Clause, which is allowing people who are conservatives the right to get their own counsel. And that is something that's going to help people not only all throughout California, and not just celebrities, by the way, but I think that if 1194 becomes law in California, it's going to become an example for jurisdictions all over the nation. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Where have you been all our lives? You're great. Thank you very much. That was Aaron Solomon, Chief Legal Analyst for Esquire Digital, who, by the way, follows me on Twitter right now. Oh, my God. What a brag. (laughs) I feel really special. (laughs) Thank you, Aaron, for being with us. You bet. Take care. Thanks for having me. Next up, the new report that talks about burnout among women and the surprising results. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. A Vice article came out that really had us all talking here in the studio. It was about someone talking about their 
overbearing parents and how to deal with it. And then it brought up all of our experiences with our parents and how we deal with them just being up our, you know, behinds. So what do you do when your your parent just keeps on hitting you up, texting you, calling you? I mean, you don't have your parent living here, Ryan. She lives in a different place, so I feel like that's the only way for her to get in touch with you. You don't either. Yeah, I know. Your mom lives in Canada. I haven't talked about myself yet. (laughs) It's just like... So do you get annoyed of your Hell mom yeah. and how Hell do you deal yeah. with it? You don't even gotta you don't even have okay. to finish the sentence. Um, here's the thing. I don't get annoyed. I used to get really annoyed just because I felt like my mom, if she had an opportunity to put a tracking device on me, she would. Um <laughs> because she's a helicopter parent. She's always been one ever okay, since yeah. I was young, and that's just what it's been, and she's always been very dependent on our relationship mm, and yeah. um and for me, I want I I'm, I'm an adult. Like I want to have my own space. I don't want to talk every day. I don't need to talk every day. Um, and honestly, sometimes I don't think sh- we need to talk every day <laughs> because, like, it, it you know, I, I it just that can go down the whole other road. But anyway. I think sometimes I've had to I've had to most definitely create boundaries for my mom where she used to text me back to back to back. If I didn't respond, she would say emergency. Oh, and then no. when I hit her up, it wasn't an emergency. Oh, no, and I was like, you can't do that. Cool. And it was mm. uh, and she's also done like if I don't respond to text messages, she'll email me. And it's just like a whole thing. And I'm like, Mom, I, you have to understand that I am a 28 year old person with a full career. I have to work to pay my bills. Would you rather me move back in with you? And I can text you all the damn time if you pay my bills and yours. And so it's just like you have to kind of break things down um, because oftentimes I think parents have a hard time realizing that their kids are no longer kids. Yeah, and there's a codependent relationship built and you want interdependence. You want to have your own life and you're happy to connect with her, but it seems like, you know, you don't need to be like attached by the hip. Did I say that? I'm, I'm just saying what it seems like you're saying. I, yeah, I said that. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> so it's interesting because uh, my dad's the one, my dad doesn't call or text me a lot, but then at it, when we do talk, he'll be like, he'll kind of uh, wonder why we haven't texted or called a lot. I'm like, you know, you can call or text me, right? And my mom does the opposite. My mom texts me every day and calls me, specifically for some reason calls me when every every time I'm working, I tell her my hours, and yet she hits me up when I'm working. And she also listens to our radio show, so she keeps up with my life through the radio show. I feel, though, that she's uh, created some healthy boundaries. Like, she hits me up the perfect amount. You know, it doesn't feel like too little. It doesn't feel like too much. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, I think you're much older than me. And I I think, you know... Your mom and you all have a, you know, a relationship that, I mean, just words. I feel like y'all talk to, tell each other everything, even when you don't need to. We, 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 we do tell each other a lot. I mean, I don't, I, I don't have really any secrets or anything that I keep from my parents. There are things that I just decide to not tell them, but if they ask me, I'm open to sharing it with them. I don't feel like I need to hold anything uh, back. But we were talking about how now that we're all in therapy, like our parents' reaction to all of us being in therapy and how that brings up a whole other level of 
them wanting to connect because of possibly guilt they feel. Like producer producer Vanessa, do you want do you want to say what you experience? Because I thought that was really interesting. Now that I'm in therapy, my mom calls me twice a day. Twice. What am I supposed to? Te- t- Is she talk just checking up about? on you? I don't. She's just like, hey, what's up? I was like, hi, mom. Like, what do you want? <laughs> It's just she's just checking up on me way too much. It's like true. once a day is okay. It happens. At least three times a week is fine. But, but every day, like what am I supposed to Here's the thing. To I think about? that I think even that, if you if, even if I mean to be honest, what? I'm shocked that we talk every day. Like in the sense of like doing this show. Yeah. And before that, we were t- actually talking every day, doing the show and off the show. And it's just like that gets exhausting, right? Like, what more do you have to talk about? Yeah, it's more just they want to see if you're alive and you're okay. I think partially it's as your parents get older, there is a feeling of like time is of essence, right? And there's uh, gratitude. (sighs) And and I I think that for me, I don't want to take their time for granted. And I do feel the sense of I don't know when anything could happen. Like I'm in the, the time of my life where my friend's parents, like there are sudden heart attacks and sudden things that happen. And so... I feel like I, while well, I could get annoyed or frustrated, I'm thankful every time they call or text because I know this is dark to say, but there will be a time where I miss that call or text. There will be that time, Did and I do think about that. I had to get real. That's the reality. So you know what? Hit me up, call me, bother me to, uh, to a certain extent. Well, you're also, here's the thing. I feel like I'll have that same perspective once I hit 38 too. There you go. Because I'm, my mom will be probably ready to die. Well, I'm just well, saying, really at that point, dark. no, I'm just saying she's going to be older. She's going to be well, closer to her right old, now. My mom is still like kicking and young. Anything could happen. I think you, you have the sense that anything can happen at any age. If you're saying hi or goodbye to anyone, just know that could be your last time and, and feel it. Enjoy it. Have gratitude for it. You know, Will Smith did a whole video at Jay Shetty talking about that. I'm going to share it out. On our story, LGT show. All right, anyway, Shira, thanks. Next up, a study has come out showing many women rethinking their lives. A lot of existential stuff happening on the show today. We'll tell you why next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We are back in a comprehensive new study by McKinsey and Lean In. It shows how stressed and exhausted many professional women are, and many of them are rethinking what they want from their work lives. Which is uh, not that surprising. I think it's just not just about the gender and women. I just think as you get older, you start like rethinking your work life in general. Is, is there something you want to tell me right now? And on that note, I'm just letting you know that... Let's see if she says it. I'm coming back tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> that... You are not getting rid of me anytime soon. No, but I think this is particularly important uh, because women during the pandemic lost their jobs and ended up having to be, um, you know, having to be the the sole kind of person taking care of the kids and households and all these things, unfortunately. And we've done we talked we did numerous conversations about that where women were really impacted and some of them are still bouncing back. And if they are bouncing back, I wouldn't blame them for trying to figure out, well, what actually makes me happy at this? Yeah. Do I actually want to deal with this? And it was interesting because as this came out, there was also a post that I saw on LinkedIn in about joblessness, how it's ageist, right? And this is from ARP, of course. But specifically, they found 70% of American women over 40 who lost jobs since 2020 remain unemployed for more than six months. Wow. And that's pretty devastating and 
hard to take in. Because you know you're coward. As I'm approaching. Yeah, no, I look at that and I'm like, okay. It's almost like sometimes I do believe ignorance is bliss. Like a part of me knows that these are realities, but... See, and ageism doesn't talk feel about nice, it. huh? Because sometimes I remember back when we first started doing this, Cher, and Cher still says this, wait till you get my age, you'll see what I'm talking about. That's reverse that ageism. More for wisdom. I'm just saying, eh? reverse age, it doesn't feel nice, huh? <laughs> well, it's not like I'm taking opportunities away from you. I'm just <laughs> you know, I, and, and I, th- I think about this because it's not just about that opportunities are being stolen from you or right. taken away. I just think that... I mean, technically they are if you're not if you're way, out of the time, job market for six months. Totally. At the same time, it's that what you'd go after many years ago is not the same thing as you'd go after now. Yeah, so while true. there are a bunch of opportunities out there and things that I you would have the background for and... You know, you could possibly do doesn't mean you want to do that. And I think that's what starts to change as you get older. And a lot of the people who are hiring for those things might also look at your resume. It's like that weird thing of like you're too experienced, but also you don't have the current experience you need for that thing. Mm. And that's interesting. Uh, well, I think it I think it all relates back to the biases that even happen and are in, in, in corporate settings or whoever's doing the hiring, right? Because if they see you, they like your resume, but then they see you in person and they're like, oh, this person's older. I don't know if they'll gel well with the team. Or hustle that, the same. Yeah. Let's be. Let's also talk about this, yeah. the hustle mode. Mm-hmm. I feel like in general there is, it is sexist because I do think there's an idea or perception that men like hustle all the time. Like I, I even though I, I, I do meet a lot of guys who are like, I'm done with my hustle mode. But even when they say that, I don't think that people use that against them. I, I find if as a woman, if I say, oh, I'm not hustling anymore, I'm not doing like this, that, no one, no one's going to come to me and challenge me about that. They're going to be like, OK, I guess you don't want to work just because you want flexibility. That means like you're not going to be around, which is not true. Right. It's, it's really not. And hopefully as women are starting to figure out where they want to be, hopefully they can change that, you know, new system. Or uh, new system you can pull a Reese Witherspoon and just launch your own company, hire yourself for everything, and then sell it for a so billion dollars. you have dollars. to just have a long-ass acting career and make tons of money <laughs> to be able easy. to do it. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yaz Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. First and foremost, we want to say a very happy birthday to our beloved general manager, Rob's daughter, Kylie Zavitka. Happy birthday. uh, Happy birthday, queen. Yes, Kylie turns 20 today, and we so appreciate you for listening. We hope you're having a great day. A big yes, queen, to you. Oh, yes. I hope you uh, get everything you want and more. Make sure it's cash. There you go. Hope to see you in Palm Springs very soon also. Uh, But we also wanted to highlight this new GLAAD series, which is all about LGBTQ black small business owners and talking about how they're making a difference in their local communities. It's called Changemakers, a four-part video series. Advocate actually posted about it exclusively. They said the pandemic has disproportionately impacted black communities and businesses across the U.S. In creating this project, they wanted to spotlight how brands can show up for Black LGBTQ small business owners in authentic and meaningful ways. Uh, So here is a clip from that. Once upon a time, not long ago, 
I was with friends and we were just talking about who I am, like, as this brand, like, has emerged. And with that, a friend literally came to me and he was like, Kingsley, you're super niche, you know? First, I took that as an insult, but then at the same time, I'm like, no, like, you really are. And then there's power in that. And of course, you can find out more about Changemakers and watch the whole series on glad.org and check it out also on their YouTube channel. And that does it for our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. And of course, our show today. But we are back tomorrow, Friday, ending the week with you live here on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. On tomorrow's show, we're going to talk about pregnant women getting vaccinated and breaking down all the myths, fact and fiction, because there's a lot of things going around about pregnant women and the COVID-19 vaccine. Plus, how to tell if your insecurities are a sign of relationship anxiety. Ooh, that's real. That's on tomorrow's show. If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. So just catch up on the show on the Odyssey app or podcasts are available. Search Let's Go There. It's that easy. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Now stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris, where he's covering how to build trust. That's mm. next. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.